Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, midweek edition here. Uh, first, though, I wanted to offer congratulations to our friend and colleague, Ken Harrison, who's the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers. Uh, his most recent book has been named the Christian Leadership Association Book of the Year Award winner, and uh, he's going to be back on to talk about uh, the, the idea that we can be courageous in our faith. Um, we don't have to be the, the people who are just kind of, uh, you know, cowering in the background. So uh, Ken's going to join me in about uh, 10 minutes or so to talk about that. I wanted to get into first something that I found was very interesting, just one of those kind of, uh, you know, kind of geeking out a little bit. John Morlock actually wrote, a former Orange County supervisor and uh, was a member of the state uh, government as well for many years. He wrote a commentary that was posted in the Epic Times a couple of weeks ago with regard to the financial rankings for all 34 cities in Orange County, California. And it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm only chuckling because our beloved Costa Mesa, the city of license for KBRT, came in dead last. Um, here's how he starts his commentary. By late April, five of Orange County's 34 cities had not posted their annual comprehensive financial reports. They're called ACFRs, in case you were wondering, and that for the fiscal year that ended June 30, the year before. These are usually completed by December of the same year, by the end of May, the last one was finally posted. That was the city of Laguna Beach. But uh, as he posted, to kind of paraphrasing scripture, in this case, based on the results, the last shall be first. When asked for an explanation of the four-month delay, the reasons provided included a new Government Accounting Standards Board promulgation, which deals with leases. The new statement requires management to recharacterize leases from annual expenditures to principal and interest payments on a loan. Leases have always been a financing technique. Uh, the accounting profession and the governmental space now must acknowledge that something was acquired using a form of debt requiring the recognition of an asset and liability. Okay, so that's kind of a little wonky. But uh, here are the city rankings. I'll just share them with you here. As I mentioned, Costa Mesa came in dead last. Uh, Laguna Beach, number one. My adopted hometown of Tustin was second. Cypress, Irvine, Dana Point, Lake Forest, La Palma, Stanton, San Clemente, and Laguna Woods rounding out the top 10. Followed by, let's see, um, Alisa, Laguna Niguel, Elisa Viejo, Rancho Santa Margarita, South County winning here. San Clemente, Laguna Hills, Villa Park, Mission Viejo, Yorba Linda, Newport Beach, Garden Grove. That's your top 20. Buena Park, Los Alamitos, Seal Beach, Placentia, Brea, Fountain Valley, La Habra, Westminster, Fullerton, Huntington Beach, and then we get into the old st uh, stalwart diehards. you got Orange, Santa Ana, Anaheim, and Costa Mesa bringing up the rear. Now, I'm sorry, Costa Mesa. I, I, don't, I don't know why Costa Mesa is the bottom of the heap for you know the, the way they handle their uh, annual comprehensive financial reports. But I did want to point out something that is kind of bizarre. And it just kind of points out as to where we are in the culture in terms of the financial stuff. Um, we've been seeing, uh, Christianity Today ran an op-ed piece a week ago or so about, uh, you know, they're calling for the same thing that most people on the left are calling for. They call it COVID amnesty. Hey, our bad. We're sorry we ruined your business. We're sorry we closed down your schools. Sorry we closed down your churches. Sorry we forced you to wear masks that cut down your oxygen intake. Sorry we forced you to take unproven vaccinations, quote unquote, that actually made your health worse. Sorry, our bad. Please don't get mad at us. Amnesty. I, well, you know, I mean, I, I realize that forgiveness is the essence of, you know, the Christian faith. But forgiveness also, I believe, requires asking for it 
and then receiving it as opposed to people just running around and giving it and these kind of blanket requests for apology kind of weird but think about where we are in the economy right now if you're trying to purchase a home and you bought a home say three years ago and you got a three percent mortgage and you're like yeah this is great and you bought a home last week and you got a seven percent mortgage and you say wait a minute that's kind of crazy the market has been really strange and the stock market in particular this is what i want to zero in on the stock market has really taken it take it a dive i mean in calendar year 2022 the stock market lost 19.8 percent calendar year 23 we're already heading in the same direction to hit maybe 15 or 20 percent loss and yet the california public employees retirement system calpers has results for the end of fiscal 2021 that were extremely good now, it's interesting because um, how good were they? People are like, well, uh, I, I'm really glad we got Donald Trump out of the White House because, well, when he was in there, the economy was, uh, it wasn't very good. What kind of return did you make? If you, uh, fiscal year, state of California, July 1st through June 30. Do you know what kind of return you made during the pandemic? Remember, during the pandemic is the key. The California Public Employees Retirement System, CalPERS, on the investments that they have, they have to earn an ungodly amount of money to pay all the people who are in the California Public Employees Retirement System. And that's just a reality. It's the only, CalPERS and uh, the State Teachers Retirement System, uh, the STARS, I think they call it, or whatever, STRS, uh, are the two largest uh, public employee pension funds in the country. And they also have a constitutional mandate that says that the people of the People's Republic of California must keep them funded. So I, I appreciate police officers, firefighters, school teachers, etc. But the next time you see working class Joe like me, please thank us for the fact that our tax dollars and tax monies keep going up here in the People's Republic to make sure that your pension gets paid. And it's a nice pension. I mean... If you could start working for the government at age 25 or 30, work for 20 years, hit age 50, get 90% of your salary from that year or your highest year for the rest of your life, I mean, it's not a bad deal. It's really, my parents, uh, mom just turned 90, dad will be 90 on Sunday. They've been retired nearly 30 years. My mom has almost been retired as long as she worked. I mean, it's a nice deal. With a guaranteed benefit, it's a really nice deal. But to get that guaranteed benefit, CalPERS has to generate 12% returns every year on their investment just to keep the program funded. During the Great Recession, they were getting five and six and seven. Some years they got two. For fiscal year 2021, CalPERS had a return of 21.3%. Are you kidding me? How in the... I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Now, in his column in the Epic Times, John Morlock refers to this as a sugar high because the, uh, the, the returns as of fiscal year 2022 uh, had them in negative territory. And by the time we get to uh, the end of this month and the end of this fiscal year, uh, many analysts estimate that the... Uh, the CalPERS return would be a 7.5% loss. But I just found it very interesting that they had to 
really pull a rabbit out of their hat or find a needle in a haystack or whatever euphemism you want to use to fund these pension programs. But if there's a problem in the People's Republic of California right now, it has to do with the fact that there's not enough money for public employee pensions. I found that uh, just very, very interesting. And also, uh, God bless Costa Mesa and our and our last place finish here. Uh, by the way, I, I have some good news to share with you, though. If you don't want to be subject to this market volatility, you know, a 21% increase this year, a 7.5% loss the year after that, you're, the value, I mean, and that's not just how much you earn. If you have a negative earnings, that means you lose money, right? One of the reasons I love having Dennis Wilson with Wilson Financial Services as part of the Bottom Line Show team is I love being able to tell our listeners the following, and that is, if you want to make sure that you never lose money in retirement, you need to call Dennis Wilson today because Dennis can make that happen. Dennis has legitimate, perfectly legal financial options. They're out there. Just the, the market people don't want you to know. It's way more fun for them because they're not losing any money on your investment. Remember, you have all of the risk. If you invest with one of those other big name companies and the money goes up, then they're going to charge you fees and commissions and whatever brokerage charges that they want to add on to it. It's possible that your investments could make money every year and the value of your portfolio could go down. Wilson Financial could set you up in such a way that the value of your investment stays at least the same, if not goes up. Now, there are certain, if you bring a 401k to him that's outside of his scope, he can help you manage it with required minimum distributions and stuff like that. There's no guarantee that you're going to you know, have the same balance every year. But if you're looking for consistency, I've got to put $100,000 in this account, and at the end of the year, I want to make sure I have at least $100,000. But you've got liquidity, so you can get the money back if you need it. If you want to get a good return on investment and long-term care benefit, which isn't available anywhere else, and an expanded death benefit as well, you really owe it to yourself to call Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial. Call his team right now. It's no cost for the phone call. It's no cost for the first initial meeting. You bring in all your portfolio information. You have a conversation, have a nice prayer. You talk about stewardship and how all of this belongs to God anyway, and you're just managing his money and see what you can do. I mean, Dennis has been sponsoring. He's in his 11th year of sponsoring the Bottom Line Show right now. And you know how many complaints we've had about Dennis? Two, and both of them were resolved because there were misunderstandings on the part of the investors. I mean, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970 is the number to get you through to Wilson Financial. I highly recommend you give Dennis and his team a call today. You're not going to get 21.2% returns like our friends at CalPERS did. But you do have the opportunity to have a safe, secure retirement that will be pleasing to God and will give you an opportunity to uh, really be a good steward and thrive in your retirement years. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, it seems like as we are gearing up for Father's Day 2023, which is this Sunday, by the way, um, that more and more people are looking in the culture and saying, okay, we had this war on so-called toxic masculinity for quite some time. But now even supposedly Christian writers like David French are saying, well, you know, the right keeps talking about masculinity and, well, we need masculine this, that, and the other thing. 
Well, you know, the reality is we do. We need masculinity. We need femininity. We need it the way God intended both of them to be. And Ken Harrison, who is the uh, chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, wrote a book about this uh, recently called A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Live a life without waste, regret, or anything unfinished. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And recently, an organization called the Christian Leadership Alliance awarded that book their Book of the Year. I've asked Ken to come on and join me to talk about that on the other side of this break. And oh, by the way, since it is Everyone Wednesday, we've got a couple copies of the book to give away. 800-227-5278. That is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a bit of recognition for one of our regular recurring guests here on the program. Because the topic is so good, because the need is so great, Ken Harrison is the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers. He's the author of a, an exciting new book, well, newish book. It's been out for about a year, but keeps getting accolades everywhere we go. A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, Live a Life Without Waste, Regret, or Anything Unfinished. We always have that book linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. And the uh, Outcomes Conference 2023 has uh, is, is named this the book book of the year. I, we're super excited to have Ken Harrison back on the Bottom Line Show. Ken, welcome to the program. Thanks, man. You know, it goes to show you just the uh, the, the desire for authenticity, I think, in the church today that this book keeps kind of getting brought back up to the top, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, there's definitely a need. Christian Leadership Alliance going to give you this award. Um, what's it like, I mean, in the leadership world? We, we see this dearth of leadership and, and we're talking godly leadership anybody can be in charge of stuff you know people get those titles all the time but when it comes to real leadership you know what it's like and you lead from the you know kind of the top down and bottom up at the same time with promise keepers but uh, talk about the why the culture is crying out for leadership even people who aren't christians are saying there where are the leaders these days there's a lot i could do to answer that but i'll tell you uh you, to be a leader you got to have a spine you you mm. got to be willing to take criticism. You have to make be able to make decisions for the greater good, not to avoid criticism. And mm. you know why is well, I was going to go give a political example, but I won't do that. But oh, you know what I'll say is, <laughs> you know, the Bible says that what men highly esteem, God finds repugnant. Mm. What men highly esteem, God finds repugnant. And so I think you know when I was running a a, a very large company. What I always kept in mind was my job as a CEO is to bring a return to the shareholders, period. Right. That is all I am here to do. Therefore, every decision I make comes from that. That means who I hire, who I fire. You know, if someone gets fired, it's, it's not personal. My job, I have one job to make a return and make the most profitable company profitable. Well, what is my job as a leader in the church? It is to do whatever I can to advance God's kingdom on this earth, period. Amen. Amen. So therefore, if I keep my eyes on what is my responsibility, it's to Christ and to him only. I have mm -hmm. one judge, one person to whom I'll answer. Then it makes it a lot easier to take all the criticism. And I think that's what we need from, that's why we have such a dearth of leaders is we have a dearth of people who understand what their role is and have the willingness to st stand in there despite withering criticism and say, this is what we're going to do. You know, you said you used a phrase earlier, Ken Harrison, that I, I want you to circle back around to, and I want to make sure I quote it properly here. But as you, we were talking about this, you said that the the leaders have to have a spine to the point where they they're willing to stand up to criticism and not just make decisions based on you know what's going to advance their popularity, whatever the narrative is, or whatever's going to uh, score them points. 
Can you give us, I mean, we'll give you as an example, obviously, because people are resonating with your book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, but uh, can you give us an example of someone who's doing that right now? Someone who gets it, not necessarily a captain of industry per se, or an athlete, or, you know, a, a, an entertainer, but uh, maybe someone in the body of Christ, or maybe someone in the political world that, that there's plenty of examples of people who don't get it right in politics, but is there someone that you see that is getting it right in that area? Um, on a Christian world, I'd say James Robison. You know, mm -hmm. he's been around a long time and he's like a spiritual father to me. So, okay. you know, okay. good, it's a close relationship. But here's a guy who was a leading Southern Baptist who God woke him up. He became good friends with Oral Roberts. We're talking back in the early 80s. And he realized that his he needed to expand his horizons. And then he took a bunch of shots from the Southern Baptists. And and James, you know, he was a close, he was a guy that talked Ronald Reagan in running for president. Mm. Um, he's done, the amount of stuff he's done is amazing. He was a huge... Uh, consultant to president trump uh most recently and he just gets criticized from all over the place yeah james you know and james and i don't agree on everything we disagree on a lot of stuff but he doesn't care he does what <laughs> he does what he believes in. i love that you know from a from a um from a political standpoint um you know i know some of these guys so i always want to be really careful you know who i what i say about it to whom but um tim scott is a guy who you know he just announced uh, today he's going to run for president. And, mm, uh, mm -hmm. He's a guy with great integrity. Ron DeSantis, I don't know, um, but um, man, I see what he's doing to stand up against Disney. You know, yeah. I mean, whoever would have thought it would be controversial to not talk to five to eight year olds about sexuality and gender. I mean, who, right, right. And to think that he's having to actually have this fight and half the country's against him. But I think, mm. I mean, I don't know his motivations. Like I said, I don't know him, but man, there's a guy who is standing in and picking a fight that it seems like is all for the right reasons and and you know the politically correct be darned he's going to do what's right we need more people like that ken harrison is with me today here on the bottom line the president and ceo of promise keepers we've got a link for their website of course up at the bottom line show.com and the book a daring faith in a cowardly world live a life without waste regret or anything unfinished has been named the christian leadership alliance a book of the year award winner and I'm so grateful that you get a chance to receive this these accolades, but obviously that's not why you write books and give talks and things of that nature. I mean, you volunteer your time at Promise Keepers, so that's a, a pretty good indication of where you are. You talk about this daring faith, and a lot of people say, dare, wait a minute, I don't dare anything, right? I mean, that, that, that sounds like you're trying to pick a fight, Ken Harrison. And yet when you talk about how men really are car called to more than just salvation, it seems like, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, if things don't change in the culture, we're going to see a lot of people, especially men who profess faith in Christ, with literally empty crowns in heaven because they got, uh, you know, kind of a fire insurance type of faith that says, I don't want to rock the boat, but, you know, I want to be good with God. You're telling us in this book of Daring Faith, it's impossible to live like that. Talk about that. Hey, Roger, let's let's go back on uh, to your comment and say, sometimes our job is to pick a fight. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's not popular because we teach so much today that the best Christian is the one with no life, you know, the most prudent that doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't chew, doesn't do anything passionate whatsoever, never has sex, doesn't watch TV, sits and stares at the wall unless they're studying your Bible and that's a Christian. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that that is a godly person. Hmm. When you look at everyone in the Bible, what do they all have in common? These are people, you know, that the Bible lifts up. These are people of great passion who have ma make major mistakes but always choose God and they choose boldness and courage. And that's what God's looking for is those kinds of people. So, you know, this idea we, we have incorrect and we see tyranny and oppression 
um, and greed going on, Christians stood up and say, no, it was Christians who eliminated slavery in this country. It was Christians right. who stood up for civil rights in this country. How did they do that? They picked a fight. What does that mean? Jesus gives us the road to holiness in the, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. He goes up there and he says a bunch of stuff that I can go into later. But one of the ones I want to point out right now is he said, blessed are the peacemakers. That's one of the groups he's saying, this is your road to holiness. Mm -hmm. blessed are the he didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. Mm. Peacekeepers are the people who say, you know, can't we all just get along? Let's we have a, we have a church full of peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. Let's all just be friends and let's all get along. Excuse me. They <laughs> are giving drugs to 10 year old girls and not telling their parents that will permanently destroy their bodies. You know, these, mm. you know, in the name of love and everything, Christians don't get along with those people. Christians step up and say that is wicked and evil. And I will do whatever I can to stop that from happening. That's being a peacemaker. And that's what the yes. Bible's full of is peace makers and the pro trouble with peacemaking is you make enemies mm -hmm. people you make people who hate you so uh that's what we need is more courage and i'm not saying that we should shouldn't do everything out of love and humility and a spirit of gentleness but sometimes you have to call evil evil jesus says if you see your brother in sin confront him and if he repents forgive him okay what's the beginning of that confronting people in sin in love but boy, I'll tell you, sometimes you're going to win your brother. Most of the time, he's going to tell you to go jump in a lake and you're going to have made an enemy. But what what is true love? True love is to say, you're on the road, wrong road, man, and let me come alongside you and let's talk about what scripture says. And then if he says jump in a lake, you know, hey, I have, a, a, I have one person who will be my judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if you see your brother in sin, confront him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, what worse experience would there be than to have that challenge that charge and then to be standing before the lord one day and have him say well you know how'd you handle it and you're like well i everybody still liked me you know right. and that i i can't imagine that happening not in ken harrison's reality but especially not in the reality of anybody who is a christ follower ken harrison ceo and president of promise keepers is my guest today here on the bottom line the book is called a daring faith in a cowardly world live a life without waste regret or anything unfinished we've got a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com more of this conversation about this award-winning book in just a moment as the bottom line continues you can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along on this Everyone Wednesday edition of the program. Ken Harrison, 
Uh, congratulations to Ken for his book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, Live a Life Without Waste, Regret, or Anything Unfinished. It was the, recently named the Book of the Year by the Christian Leadership Alliance. Ken is the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, and the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away two copies of it today here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, A daring faith in a cowardly world means we will take the stand necessary to address an issue that is potentially uncomfortable and offer a biblical, uh, not a biblical alternative necessarily, but just say, this is what the word of the Lord says. This is how we as Christians are called to live. And I know Ken has a, a statement that he's issued. I think he did so last week regarding the whole thing with the Dodgers and the Pride Night thing and whatever. And those are good battles to step into, I think, as far as social media world and stuff like that goes. By all means, go ahead and speak to that. But one of the things I appreciate about Ken and the work that he does with Promise Keepers is Ken has done very, very well in the investment banking world. Uh, he would really help the people at CalPERS out a lot. <laughs> I don't know if he can guarantee 21% returns like they got a couple of years ago, but that would be really interesting. But also his work in law enforcement and the fact that he, he brings that cop detective perspective to what's going on here. I think it helps us. When I read the scripture that says, you know, as believers, we're called to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. I think that's something that we really need to learn how to properly do. Because there are those who would say, okay, I'm going to have this daring John Eldridge, go climb a mountain type of faith. Let's get the guys together and go hunting and fishing. And yeah. Well, sometimes that daring faith just means taking a, a, a popular stance of the culture and, and asking the question, is this biblical? You know, our, our call letters, KBRT, we say stands for biblical, right, and true. And having a daring faith in a cowardly world these days really just means you're living biblically and you're willing to stand up in the culture and say, this is what I believe and this is how I'm living and I'm willing to suffer the consequences in the culture knowing that there's an eternal reward waiting for me. More of my conversation with Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Ken Harrison is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Ken, the president and CEO of Promise Keepers, uh, a daring faith in a cowardly world, live a life without waste, regret, or anything unfinished is the name of the book. It has recently been named the 2023 Christian Leadership Alliance Book of the Year. Congratulations on the accolades, Ken. Nothing but five-star ratings that I see at Amazon. When you write a book like this, you know you're going to make some enemies, but at the same time, it seems like you're making a lot of new friends as well here, too. Uh, Talk about how the 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 presence of polarization and just kind of the acceptance okay i'm going to say some things some people are going to agree some people are going to disagree um how that's kind of a revelation and it's kind of refreshing one for a lot of people who read this yeah thanks roger that's so true actually you know i when i was in business i thought i had friends um and i found you know once i left business and whatnot i didn't really have any real friends i had a lot of people who needed me to advance their own stuff right (laughs) yeah right I have never had more friends and more enemies than when I gave all for Christ. And uh, mm. I tell you, when I look at, you know, Chad Hennings and Sam Rodriguez and A.R. Bernard and James Langford and, you know, these guys are men of God who are bold and strong. They're, they're the kind of guys that would give their life for me. I've never had six close friends, but I've never had so many enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take this way rather than the other way. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
Well, it's that like the uh, the theology of that great country song. It says it's better to be loved for who you are or hated for who you are than loved for who you aren't. And there are a lot of guys who don't understand that yet. I will still never forget the moment I was in a hotel in Nashville at a conference. And I was there was an issue. I was working for a ministry at the time that uh, had a problem with uh, someone who'd been involved in the ministry and they got out of that ministry. And they were just they were saying some incorrect things about me and some other people. And I was looking through the email thread, you know, with our attorneys. It was just it was a big mess. And finally, uh, the president of the ministry, you know, walked in the room. We started talking. I told him what's going on. He looked at me and he said, do you have any enemies? And I looked at him and said, what do you mean? He goes, well, certainly you have some enemies, right? Certainly you've done some things and said some things that made people, you know, uncomfortable or whatever. And if they were true, then no big deal. And I thought to myself in that moment, here I am, you know, in my mid forties. And did I have not not that I knew of, and I thought, wait a minute, well, what's wrong with me? And that, you know, I'm just me. I'm not, you, you mentioned off some, some Titans of the faith, Ken Harrison, uh, talk about how, you know, it's important for everyone like me or anybody else, you know, who doesn't have titles and lots of, you know, letters after their last name to look at something like this and say, Hey, this is for everyone, not just for the famous people. That's such a great question. Um, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that we're all saved by grace through faith and that even the faith that saved us is a gift from God. Amen. Like literally had nothing to do with our salvation except for the sin that nailed Jesus to the cross, Jonathan Edwards said. But Ephesians 2, 10 says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Meaning every person has a specific set of good works God created them to do before they were ever born. And he specifically gifted them to do those gifts. And so I do think we tend to worship celebrity in this country and celebrity, especially in the church can be pretty small. You know, it's <laughs> whoever's on the stage, whoever wrote the book, whoever has the radio show, whatever it might be. We have to remember that we are all priests, all created equally in God's eyes, all of us, but we have different gifts that he's given us to accomplish different missions. And we'll be judged on the mission he gave us to do, not the mission he gave somebody else to do. Right. And I do think people feel, oh, I've got to be a missionary. I've got to be on the stage. No, you don't. Your your task may have been to be the best mom there is and raise godly kids. Your task may be to have a small business and have be a witness to employees. Your task may be to run for the school board and say, what kind of nonsense are you teaching our kids? Hmm. What gift have you been given? As I started off earlier saying, what men highly esteem, God finds repugnant. It means we esteem fame and degrees and best-selling books. God says, I esteem people who are my sons and daughters who love me and who love my children, their brothers and sisters. So just do what God's given you to do. Jesus said, to the one who does the little thing, I'll give him bigger things to do. So just do yes. the little thing in front of you. Mm-hmm. I, you know that I think that's the bottom line is we have to stop having hierarchies in God's kingdom we're all equal. We just have different assignments. Right, right. Run your race, stay in your lane, do what Same you're called lane, to do. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and it, it's too dangerous. Uh, Ken Harrison with Promise Keepers is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. It's dangerous when you start looking at somebody else's race. I had a friend in yeah. ministry years ago, he said, my favorite expression in scripture, and it's not in scripture, it's the way he used to interpret was eyes on your own paper. You know, let, focus on the work that God's called you to do. In the book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, Live a Life Without Waste or Regret or Anything Unfinished that Ken Harrison has written, that is the Christian Leadership Alliance Book of the Year for 2023, and we have it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a section in the book when you're talking about living out a daring faith, and you 
two words, stay salty, you know, come to mind. I thought, I love the phrase. <laughs> well, I always think of, you probably do too, you know, that old codger is going like, ah, you know, that type of thing. But there is a very strong biblical component to living a daring faith that says, if you are, you will have that salty component. Talk about what you mean by that. Yeah. Jesus says, you know, if salt um, isn't salty, it's no not good for anything, but to throw it on the path and trampled by men, right? That's in the right. Sermon on the Mount. Right. And then, so we talk about the fact that Jesus says in very emphatic words, Revelation 1 through 3, he, these are his last words. He's showing up to talk to churches and he says, don't let anybody steal your crowns. Paul says, I'm doing everything I can, striving for to get the crown of righteousness. Paul's about to be put to death. He says, now I know in 2 Corinthians, or 2 Timothy, now I know I have attained the crown and not just me, but everyone who's loved is appearing. Jesus's last words on this earth, or actually not this earth, he's coming from heaven. In Revelation chapter 22, he says, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to each person according to what he's done. So he's not talking about salvation. That's grace alone. After salvation, he's saying, you stay salty. You don't let anybody pull you off the path. You accomplish what I gave you to do. And I have rewards and I have specific crowns and I have rulership and reigning with, with me. He says to the overcomer, I will pull him up unto my my throne at my father's right hand. Who? The overcomer. Is everybody an overcomer? No, not all Christians are overcomers. Overcome what? The world. This, the temptations of safety and security and pleasure and comfort. We we are addicted to comfort in this country. Yeah. Jesus says, you overcome all those. And if you put my kingdom first, you keep me as your only audience. Man, is the rest of eternity going to be amazing for you. There's different ranks in, in heaven. It's very clear. I had a, a well-known theologian say, dude, I read your book. When I read about rewards and different ranks in heaven, he goes, I was offended by that. Mm. I grabbed your book. I grabbed a pen and I went to shred it. I went to rip it. <laughs> and I was going to go out to the press and tell them how bad you are. Because uh -huh. by the time I got done with your book, I can't unsee it now. Everywhere I look in the Bible, it's rewards, good mm. works. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, you've changed my entire theology. Now, when you change the theology of a theologian, <laughs> done something. Because <laughs> most of those guys are real hard to change. Sure, sure. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I love hearing that story or that uh, from Ken Harrison because of the fact that what it does, it, it kind of describes what you're talking about in the book of Daring Faith, the idea that, that, that there are going to be struggles, there are going to be conflicts, and iron sharpening iron is not some guy with a blade going, T -t -t -t. I mean, right there, it's a theologian running head on at you mm -hmm. saying, hey, I mean, I, I don't like what you said until... The spirit gets a hold of him and says, uh, actually, read it again. And this isn't Ken you're attacking. This is God you're attacking. You know, I mean, that's the the beauty of having that kind of truth. Talk about in the final moments here, um, the rewards of a daring faith. Oftentimes, I think people are gravitating toward the safety and the security and that part of it because, quite frankly, it's instant gratification. It's a reward. Well, hey, this is great. I can see the scripture says if I, you know, I'm doing God's will, even my enemies live at peace with me. So no one's arguing with me. So I must be getting that right. And you're challenging and saying, no, you're, you can't call yourself a skater if you won't get out on the rink. Yeah. Like we talked about God, he loves boldness in his children and he hates cowardice, by the way. He was a, I talk about in the book, there's a, a verse, Revelation 21, eight, that talks about the eight types of people who will for sure go to hell. And the first one on the list is cowards. Mm. I don't want to be a coward. <laughs> right. <laughs> now we've all done cowardly things. We've all sinned. But when you're typified by that. Yeah, there are five specific crowns that are, I list in the book. Um, 
One of the coolest ones, the last one, is the crown of glory. And most people don't realize this, but at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One of those crowns is the crown of glory, meaning all those people that we affected their life for Christ, mm -hmm. they will be our eternal friends. Jesus, mm. the parable that people get all tripped up on, which was the the unrighteous steward where he goes and cuts a bunch of deals, you know, with yeah. his master's money. And then Jesus comes, sums it up by saying, use money to make friends in heaven. You're like, huh? What's he talking about? Use the gifts that God's given you to make friends in heaven. And the crown of glory will be that those who've served the Lord, we've affected people you never knew. You have said things on this show that people heard that you'll never know about until you get to heaven and they'll go, you said something that changed my life and then I changed that person's life. The effect that we have, we'll never know till we get there. So what an amazing thing. And it's not a fading thing. It's not on earth where people are all emotional one day and the next day they've forgotten about you. This is forever. People will go, Roger Marsh changed my life. He didn't know hmm. it, but hmm. they'll always remember that, that thing. So that's one of the crowns. Reign, reigning with Christ in millennial age. There's a whole bunch of stuff. The last four chapters of the book really go into detail and in all the different rewards specifically promised us. And then I'll finish with this. Theologians can never give you a straight up compliment. It always has to be kind of a backhanded compliment. So <laughs> yeah. I should say intellectuals, not theologians. Mm -hmm. But this theologian who said that to me about the book afterwards, he goes, and you know, the thing that is, dude, nothing you said was all that profound. It was just all scripture. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, that's actually a good compliment if I'm only, if yeah. I'm using scripture, not man wisdom, but he couldn't actually give me full credit. It was just like, right. you just kind of pulled right. out all the Bible stuff that convinced me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for telling on yourself, Mr. Theologian. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Ken Harrison, it's always a great time having a conversation about a serious subject that uh, is, is so important in the culture and will be felt in the culture. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven uh, for many, many years to come. The book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, Live a Life Without Waste, Regret, or Anything Unfinished. It has been named the Christian Leadership Alliance Book of the Year for 2023. And so we congratulate and salute you, Ken, for those accolades. But uh, thanks also for the time and the conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Always love it. Well, it's always great to catch up with Ken Harrison, the CEO and president, chairman, rather, of Promise Keepers, and to talk about his brand new book, which is uh, recently named the Book of the Year by the uh, Christian Leadership Association. Uh, the book is simply called A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, Live a Life Without Waste, Regret, or Anything Unfinished. Perfect Father's Day gift, by the way. And there's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have two different copies of the book to give away, and we're giving it away right now. I should way I said that makes it sound like there's two different books. There is one book, um, but nonetheless, it's a it's a book that uh, you know needs to happen. Um, anyway, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, again, the book by uh, Ken Harrison, chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, the environmental push to move to green technology has kind of run into a snag. And the snag they've run into is how much can you push Mother Earth, as they would say, to give you the minerals and the whatevers that you need to quote unquote go green without putting yourself in a situation where um, you potentially run the risk 
of doing more green damage than good. The quest for lithium will be our focus right here in the Southland. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own. And by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. My thanks again to Ken Harrison, President, or excuse me, Chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his new book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, recently named Book of the Year by Christian Leadership Association. We have two copies to give away. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, it's interesting to see what's happening here in the Southland, especially as we uh, understand that there's a, a clamoring for jobs and uh, you know everyone's always looking for work. And by the way, uh, if you are wondering, the Orange County Fair starting up soon here in the city of Costa Mesa, and uh, they are going to be hiring at least a thousand new employees for the fair season. So if you have a young person in your world who is looking for that proverbial summer job and you want to hang out at the Orange County Fair, highly recommend that you uh, check it out. Take a look. It's a, it's one of the best fairs in the country, I believe, uh, having been to a few, not a lot of uh, state and county fairs. And uh come from here so i mean this is this is hometown it's a home game for me but uh, we'll put that link up at the bottomlineshow.com if you're interested in becoming a part of the team uh, that works the orange county fair this year um, i mentioned before the break that we've got a green dilemma facing the golden state and it's one that i quite frankly I, I still think about a book that i still have on my bookshelf it was written about 20 years ago if you remember john townsend and henry cloud the guys who wrote the boundaries book i think that was kind of their joint doctoral dissertation when they were students at uh, Rosemead School of Psychology all those many years ago, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, they've been talking about, you know, how to find safe people and how to deal with toxic people for years. Henry wrote a book. He kind of moved into the leadership world for a while. He was a business consultant. And he wrote a book called Nine Things You Simply Must Do. And I don't know why that book really resonated with me, but I really got a lot out of it. And I quote it often. And there are two principles in that book that I quote more than any of the others. Not that the others aren't valid, but I, I really like them. The first one was pull the tooth. There comes a point where, you know, you, if you've ever gone to the dentist with an abscess tooth and they try to do a cavity filling or they try to do a root canal or they try to do, um, you know, whatever it is they need to do, Sometimes you can do that. Now I'm seeing reports saying that endodontistry may be a little too severe and maybe we don't need as many root canals as we did. And I don't know. But 
Henry's analogy is at some point in life, you have to decide whether or not the tooth is salvageable. And sometimes you just have to pull it. And there are things in life that we do that we, you know, a project that we're holding out on or maybe a relationship or, you know, a neighborhood, you know, family, whatever it is. And sometimes you get to the point where you just say, you know what, it's not working. I'm going to pull the tooth. The second principle, though, and this is one that I really hope and pray that the number of people who on the totalitarian left, especially, would put this one into practice. And that is play the movie. If you look at, uh, if you're watching your favorite TV show or movie show, you know that the ones that are scripted mean that everybody is on the same page. Literally, they've read through the script. It was written. It was refined. It was changed. And then they block out the choreography as who's supposed to go where. If there's a fight scene, it's choreographed. If, you know, there's a love scene. You know, the, he kisses her first and then she takes his hand. But whatever it is. And, and it's all staged out. But in real life, we don't have a script. So it's important for us to say, if I make this action right now, what's going to happen later? Like, for example, if I decide I want to get up from the, uh, the, the desk here in the control room from behind the microphone and go get something to drink in the, in the kitchen. I have to push the chair back. I have to stand up and I have to walk down the hallway. And then if I do it during a commercial break, then I have to figure, can I get what I need to get in 90 seconds or less? Then I got to get back and not sound out of breath after the, you, know, you just play it out. It's amazing to me how many people, especially leftists and progressives, don't play the movie. They're so focused on the right now. Right now, I want to feel good about the fact that we have homeless people. So if we pass a bill that says we're going to spend $10 billion more to fight homelessness, I feel good right now. Now, if you find out in the case of L.A. County, for example, that of the $10 billion you authorized for homelessness and, and alleviating it, that $9 billion of it went to police overtime. And there are actually more people who are homeless in L.A. County than there were before you authorized the money. Well, then you have to ask the question, OK, I played out the movie. I played the scene. Maybe throwing $10 billion at the problem isn't the solution. With green technology, it's the same thing. Everyone has been told for years, electricity, the way to go. Electric car, electric car, batteries. They lower the carbon imprint. It lowers the CO2 output. This is the way to go. Electric, electric, electric. When President Biden took office in January 2021, he said all federal employees or all federal cars would be electric by 2030 or whatever it was. And somebody just had the audacity to ask the question, do we have enough electricity in the power grid to support that many vehicles? The answer is no, by the way. Well, when you add in personal consumers using the cars too, that's a problem. It's one of many problems that could happen. Here's another problem. What about the lithium for the batteries? Where are we going to get it? Well, there's going to be some drilling and testing going on in the Coachella Valley, uh, Palm Springs area. Uh, starting, the U.S. Geological Survey is going to be overseeing this. And if you can imagine what is going to happen here, uh, let's see, uh, there were... 50 students who attended a community, 50 residents rather, last month at Nyland Elementary School. And they asked researchers about the new lithium extraction and geothermal projects that are already underway in the area. And they did so knowing that two weeks before there was a magnitude 4.3 earthquake that happened right near the Salton Sea, which is the area where this is going to happen. There was another Tembler that happened about a minute later. A third one struck about an hour after that. 
You're digging up the land to try to get lithium, but this is kind of earthquake country. And what happens? I mean, it's interesting. There was a study out of UC Santa Cruz a decade ago that found a correlation between geothermal production and spikes in seismic activity in and around the Salton Sea. But of course, the U.S. Geological Survey says, well, you know, our studies say there really is, there's no consensus here. We're not sure what's happening here. But once again, you've got a situation where in the battle to fight climate change, the push has been for the electric battery. But if you play out the scene, what do you get? If you play the scene out in this case, you might wind up with more seismic activity. You might wind up with more air pollution. You might wind up with that area like what they see in Joshua Tree, which is not too far from that area, where there was an iron mine years ago. Did you know that? I didn't know until I saw that apparently the area where the mine was was recently sold. There was a hotel on it or something like that. And it was a town of about 3,800 people who worked the mine. And you look at the picture and you see that the hills are literally stripped bare. The strip mining that went on there. Wanted the energy source, wanted the iron, wanted the steel, wanted to have all that. I mean, basically, uh, we'll put this article up from the Orange County Register up at thebottomlineshow.com. It talks about the process of how lithium is produced. Hot brine comes from 8,000 feet below the surface, and the hot brine produces steam. It's used to generate renewable power. The hot brine goes through a series of closed-loop pipes and tanks in a process to produce sustainable lithium and other products. The brine is then sent back to the reservoir 8,000 feet below the Earth's surface, and then battery-grade lithium products are transported to cathode and uh, battery manufacturers to make batteries for electric vehicles or energy storage systems. That's the goal. But at what toll will it take on the environment, the very issue that the lithium is being harvested for to try to preserve? So final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Everyone, Wednesday edition of the broadcast. I'm so glad to have you along for the ride today. Uh, you still have a few moments left, by the way, to give us a call. Uh, get in on the drawing for a couple of copies of Ken Harrison's book, Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Ken, of course, the CEO and chairman of Promise Keepers. It's a great book for guys, a good resource to have, especially with Father's Day coming up. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have two copies of the book, but it's Everyone Wednesday, so of course everybody who calls is going to win something, maybe for a Charles Stanley calendar or David Jeremiah devotional. We've got some books. We've got some movies. Crystal will get you outfitted. Trust me, you'll come away smiling. Uh, this report that we just posted at thebottomlineshow.com from the Orange County Register about the lithium mining that is already beginning in Southern California's Coachella Valley. Just think of uh, Palm Springs, Palm Desert area on your way to Phoenix, south the Interstate 10. And the Salton Sea was kind of turned out to be a disaster in terms of uh, could this be a big resort with the Salton Sea itself? It never really replenished and it's kind of stinky from what I understand. I mean, just doesn't smell great and now they're going 8,000 feet below the surface they're going to harvest the brine that they get the lithium out of and the two questions are is this going to be damaging to the environment as far as the polluting the earth but also is it going to create more seismic activity that could lead to some uh, pretty hellacious earthquakes at the end of the day friends we have to ask the question are we uh, our efforts to try to cut co2 emissions are admirable but at what cost the environmental damage to the Salton Sea area, for example, could turn out to be exponential. The batteries that are being generated aren't recyclable. We don't have enough power in the electrical grid to actually use them. And even though on your way out to said Salton Sea, if you've ever driven out the 10 on your way to Phoenix, you've seen those, um, uh, those big turbines generating. Each one of those turbines costs a half a million dollars to decommission when they're done, when they stop you working. You have to decommission them and then there's no place to recycle them. So all of which to say, play the movie out. If you want to go green, go green, but don't just look at one action that will maybe save a little bit of CO2 emissions, knowing that ultimately it's going to cause more environmental damage than it will create any sort of help. Uh, for our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next. For those who remain on the network, an encouraging story about a young girl who got her start to her high school career that led her to Harvard, but she got her start in prison, literally on the first day of her life. We'll tell you her story coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to this uh, Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I should say a welcome to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. It's It's fun to have the number of people calling in on Wednesdays, especially, and just saying, hey, you know, I would love to, uh, uh, you know, I'd love to win something. And to have the uh, uh, the number of uh, resources that we do have available to share with you on a regular basis is just, it's fun. I mean, it's just, it's so nice to be able to, you know, look at the list of what we've got going on and see the different uh, prizes that we have to uh, to share. And we are so blessed. We are so fortunate. Uh, to th when we see the different um, uh, resources that are provided to us. And, and you know, it's, it, I, I know this is going to sound a little, um, well, um, it's going to sound maybe a little naive, but <laughs> um, I love coming in the studio every day and seeing uh, what God has provided for us to share with you. Like, for example, um, we have Dr. David Jeremiah's uh, Turning Points magazines and devotionals. He's got 10 of those. Um, that uh, we're able to give away today in addition to the Ken Harrison book. And I really hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity. We still have Dr. Charles Stanley memorial calendars. We've got a variety of other things. Just give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278. Let her know that you are interested in winning something today, maybe for yourself, maybe for someone else to uh, 
share the good news with. Uh, these are great resources, and uh, th this is the ministry that we're engaged in here is far too important to let some of these things just kind of sit around, you know. <laughs> and so that's why we encourage you uh, to give us a call and pick up some of these resources today. I want to do an analysis, balance, and clarity segment uh, here as we wrap up the program today, the final half hour on uh, the story of a young woman who is making headlines because of her success in high school and where she's going to college. Now, you know, this is the time of year where we see, hey, this kid, um, what was it, the kid in Orange County, 11 years of age, uh, graduated from community college, and there's some 13-year-old who graduated with six different associate's degrees, or, you know, there, there's always that brainiac uh, kid who does well in math or science or whatever it is who who can blow through most high school and uh, some college curriculum fairly easily and by the way every time I see a story like that the first question I ask myself is okay well what is it about the curriculum that they were being subjected to in their school <clears throat> that made it so easy for them to get through I mean obviously you have to figure out if the kid is bright enough can, to, to make it through but also ask yourself the question you know, I mean, I remember when I started studying electric bass when I was in high school. I played a little guitar, a little trumpet, uh, coronet, actually, um, played piano, done some singing. But when I picked up electric bass, I found out something about rock and roll songs. And that was that a lot of rock and roll songs were more about the attitude and the sound and feel you got than actually how complicated the bass parts were, you know. And <laughs> when I was younger, I used to really... I was tough on bass players. You know, it's like, hey, uh, the, this isn't terribly challenging. And one day I, I realized, well, maybe it's not that it's not challenging. It's maybe I'm fairly good at this, you know, and, and th that's hard for a lot of younger people, especially to figure out. They might look at the schoolwork that they're being presented with. And I remember when my daughter Emily was in second grade and she went through standardized testing and her mom and I got the results of the standardized testing. And there were different numbers, you know, two, three, four, you know, whatever grade level you were supposed to be at. And she was a second grader, so it was two. She came back with one in reading comprehension, and it had a 12 by it. And so we called the school and sat down with the teacher and um, said, hey, what does this mean? I mean, because the question was, is this kid really super smart? Um, you know, we, we didn't want to, you know, let her get to the point where she could kind of be on cruise control, but we didn't want her to be falling behind either. Well, we couldn't really get a straight answer out of the teacher. And my mom, being a public school teacher, said, ask her what the grade level expectation is for second grade at that school. Well, the teacher couldn't give it to us either. So finally sat down with my mom and said, what does this mean? And she said, oh, what this means is you could see where her vocabulary and this, the certain scores, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, stuff like that. That was pretty standard. But then she said, you know, when it came to uh, the reading comprehension, it was 12th. And I asked her, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, quite frankly, your second grade daughter is approaching the words, you know, thinking analytically as if you were a senior in high school. I went, wow. Because that's what that, and again, that's not to say that, that Emily's got this gift in English. I mean, she was never like an honor student, but that's just the way she approaches the subject matter. It's what we would expect to see in a senior in high school, not in a second grader. And well, that's interesting. That's really interesting to know. It's, it's fascinating to see how kids thrive, you know, and what kind of input they receive. And, of course, what kind of DNA blueprint they come with. How well do these kids do? So every time I see one of these stories about a kid who's doing exceptionally well, I'm, I, my inner nerd <laughs> comes out and says, well, how is it that you got, uh, you know, 
a million dollars worth of scholarship offers and you were accepted into 20 different Ivy League schools or, you know, whatever it is, because I realized that the value of education, as we have talked about here on the bottom line before, matter of fact, we spent a good portion of the time on yesterday's program talking about public education and how uh, tempting it is to just kind of, uh, what else can I say, but phone it in. You know, when you've got California public schools where kids are, uh, math comprehension is at 33% of the students can do it. Uh, 47% are competent in English, but the graduation rate's 87%. Then you have to ask the question, well, what classes are they taking that's making it so easy for them to graduate? And then, of course, there are the environmental issues. And I'm not talking about climate change and stuff like that. I'm talking about the environment with which the, in which these kids grew up in. What's the home life like? Are mom and dad married? Are they divorced? Is, are they married, but it's a terrible marriage? Is mom living with a boyfriend? Is dad living with a girlfriend? You know, all the different things. Are they, are they same-sex couples? Are, all these different societal issues weigh heavily. And then, of course, there's the faith component. What is it about, you know, kids who grow up in the quote-unquote Christian home that uh, helps them to either do better or not than, uh, you know, <laughs> having the... The, the the benefit of uh, you know the of Christian education and even if you go into public school, well, I came across the story of a young woman who's making headlines uh, because not so much because she is graduating from high school and moving on to college. And by the way, um, <laughs> I remember a few years ago I, I've I've used the terms graduating from and graduating uh, relatively interchangeably. Uh, when I graduated high school, when I graduated college, I've heard that a lot, especially from people like in the East Coast, and had a really spirited conversation online a couple of years ago with a, a listener who said, "Wait a minute, it's graduating from blah blah blah. Do the you know if you do the 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 research and look it up, and and it is true. I mean, what you look at in that phrase is you are gra- te- technically it's not I graduated from, but the school would say you have been graduated from our school." That's, that's where that phrase comes from. So I guess the individual could say, I graduated high school, and the school would say, uh, so-and-so graduated from our school. So <laughs> in case you're wondering, that's where it goes. But a young woman, 18 years of age, her name is Sky Kastner, just graduated from Conroe High School in Texas. Uh, Conroe, Texas, just outside of Houston. And uh, Lake Conroe, big old beautiful area, and it's just a nice country uh, to be in. What makes her story so remarkable is not only did she graduate from high school, she's also been accepted to Harvard University. That's cool. Apparently, that has been a dream of hers for quite some time. But now you ask the question, okay, well, I don't want to say so what, but so what? I mean, (laughs) a young girl goes to a good high school. Uh, she has been involved with actually the Academy for Health and Science Professions at Conroe High, and she wanted to work toward her dreams. And, um, and so Harvard was the first uh, college of the American colonies, so self-proclaimed, founded on September 8th, 1636. It did have a faith tradition at some point. But why is Sky Kastner getting so much attention for being a girl who's interested in arts and sciences and graduated from Conroe High School and got accepted into Harvard and where she will uh, study law. Well, maybe it stems from the fact that Sky Kastner was born 18 years ago at the Galveston County Jail. 
That's right. This young girl was born to a mother who was incarcerated. Now, you have to ask the question, if that woman, this guy's mom, was habitually in prison, had gotten pregnant, gotten sentenced, and gave birth in prison, you have to ask the question, how is she still here? And I mean this sincerely. How is this young woman still here when the totalitarian left would love nothing better than to say, well, you know, here's her mom and challenges and drugs and, you know, locked up and, well, it's an inconvenience and it's going to be a burden to society. And, uh, you know, so why should this this girl graduated third in her class in high school? And yet she was born in jail What's the difference that kept Sky Kastner on the path to success? I'll give you a hint. It starts with a D and ends with a D and has an A in the middle. That's right. Let's talk about the role her father played in her life. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. I want to thank our listener, Timothy, in Riverside for calling in at the end of yesterday's program. I hadn't had a chance to thank him yet uh, publicly on air. Uh, Timothy called in with a $300 donation to Preborn. And this is why I, I, I love Bottom Line listeners, but I love what we're doing right now. Uh, preborn, it's $28 to literally save a life for an ultrasound treatment for a woman who comes in Pregnancy test, ultrasound, you get the ultrasound images, um, they tell you how far along you are, you get to see the baby's picture, get to hear the heartbeat, and then make the best decision. Do you keep the child? Do you release the child for adoption? Or legally, you can abort the child too, but 85% of the time, women choose life. We are raising $15,000 for a preborn clinic to actually get a new ultrasound machine. It's $15,000 for the ultrasound machine. And Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services has put up $7,500 as a matching gift. So every dollar donated to Preborn right now, between now and Father's Day, basically, though I'd like to see us uh, knock this out sooner than that, every gift given to Preborn between now and then is going to be doubled. And so Timothy made the call at 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, which is 833-850-2229. 
and he made a donation of $300, and that $300 now becomes $600, getting us closer toward that goal. So, so far, right, just uh, drum roll, please. Uh, we have raised $856 so far toward that $7,500 match. I'm looking for a $1,000 caller today. 800 or 833-850-BABY. If you'd rather do this online, go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner and make your donation there regardless of whether you call or click. Make sure you let them know you heard uh, us talking about this on the bottom line. Give your best gift. Let's get a preborn clinic outfitted with a brand new ultrasound machine today. It's Everyone Wins Day and we still have those David Jeremiah devotionals and Charles Stanley calendars in addition to Ken Harrison's book on uh, not having a cowardly faith. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, here is this... uh, uh, this amazing story of Sky Kastner. She's the 18-year-old Texas girl who recently graduated third in her class at Conroe High School and was accepted to study law at Harvard University. Received a scholarship the whole shot. She was born at the Galveston County Jail in Galveston County, Texas, while her mother was incarcerated. And so you have to ask the question, how did this happen? You know, it's it's amazing to think about this, but well, here's number one: she did have a uh, a mentor, a woman by the name of Mona Hamby, was the one who started mentoring her at a very early age. She walked through her many of the firsts as the years went by. Uh, there were also other community leaders that helped out because this was a girl who whose mother was in prison, and they knew that she needed some help. Um, Castor said that uh, Mona Hamby was huge because literally they had very similar experiences. Neither of them grew up with their mom at home. Uh, and and to be fair, Sky Castor has only spoken to her mother once, and that's during her teenage years. It was kind of a I want to see who you are type of visit. Um, according to the president of the Conroe Noon Lions Club, Warner Phelps, uh, Lions Club members have known her since she was a kid. And she actually wound up winning a $2,000 scholarship last year. Uh, She gave a presentation on drug awareness, uh, spoke about the fentanyl crisis, and uh, and literally, you know, was inspiring people left and right. But there's one key component in the story that if you just rip past it, it's paragraph three here in the story that we're posting up at Breitbart. Well, here's the reason why I'm so encouraged by Sky Castner doing as well as she did. And that is, Sky's mom and dad were not together when she was born. Uh, mom and dad had conceived the child, and then mom wound up going her separate way from dad, wound up getting mixed up with the law, and evidently, uh, the pregnancy continued while she was in prison, and she delivered Sky in, in jail. But you ask the question, well, how is it that this mentor put so much time and effort into this girl and her own mother's only seen her once well the answer is because it was her dad who showed up and took her home from the hospital it was her dad who took his parental custodial rights and said i'm bringing you home with me and i will raise you on my own it was her dad who reached out to the lions club it was her dad who reached out and found her a mentor Now, with Father's Day coming up, I know there is a tendency to look at dads in the culture 
and you know we go mom 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 I, I kid you not you could talk to pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor who will tell you the three most important days in the church year are Christmas Easter and Mother's Day make a big to-do over moms even though demographically the numbers tell us that fewer and fewer young women are becoming mothers it's kind of a dying breed if you will but then when Father's Day rolls around, what do we do? We have a barbecue. We have a cookout. Um, I like to say, <laughs> would I used to say during my pastoral ministry days that when it came to the difference between Mother's and Father's Day, uh, uh, Mother's Day we we lay we lift Mother up in front of the altar, and on Father's Day we hang Dad on the cross. But the the idea is typically I've heard enough Dad bashing in the pulpit to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe we need to just kind of rethink this a little bit. But I want to give Sky Caster's dad some credit here. This is a guy who, for whatever reason, and I don't know what his story is, not a lot written about him, but evidently had enough about himself to say a couple of things. First of all, my daughter deserves to live somewhere other than prison. Someone needs to take her or she's going to become a ward of the state. And once he did, he said, okay, this is how much I can do for you I'm going to give you everything I possibly can, but I know you also need a mother's influence or a woman's influence, so I'm going to bring other people into your life to help raise you. And look at the opportunity. This is something, too, that is kind of the, uh, it's the unspoken part of the parenting cycle. Uh, I used to tell people all the time that one of the greatest joys of being a parent of young children was that our job is to kind of treat them like Jiffy Pop. Not that you put them on the flame and shake them all over the place, but rather, you know, we can't put in what God left out. Our job as parents is to just kind of warm out of our kids what is already in there, help them to thrive, to be the best who they are. Now, in doing so, we do, it does kind of put us in in an interesting spot because we realize that they have the DNA of their mother and father and also family generational legacy things and stuff like that. That also happens, and guess what? Yeah, it is, you know, they are who you are. But as our kids get older, it's kind of a report card of sorts on how we did as parents. And sometimes you'll see that your kids meet expectations. Sometimes you'll see that they didn't reach expectations. But other times you'll see the kids really excel. And I'm always, I always marvel at looking at the parents of children who are extremely bright who succeed in the business world or the scientific world or wherever it is that they succeed. And then you take a step back and ask the question, okay, so that didn't really seem to play out in mom's life or dad's life. What did that kid have that mom and dad were able to get them to kind of move in that direction, even if it's a question of being a bad example? There's no question. Sky Kastner, as an 18-year-old young woman, looked at the example of her mother, whom she really had no relationship with, and said, well, Okay, here's what I know about my mom. I was born in prison while mom was locked up. But we live in a culture that says, okay, and that's your life. That's your course. That's what you are facing. That's what you're going to get. And yet the key to having her involvement in the school program and the mentoring program, the work of the Lions Club, etc., is one key word, and that is resilience. People on social media are saying, this is amazing. A Texas girl's inspiring journey reminds us that resilience knows no bounds. 
here we are in a culture where so many people are giving up. So many people will take a blow, as it were, and find out that, you know, it didn't work the way I wanted to. I don't know what else to do. I'm throwing up my hands. Sky Caster reminds us the value of a father's love and dedication and also her own resilience. Now, I don't know what her faith story is, and I hope and pray that if she's not a Christian yet, that she will come to faith in Christ. Some final thoughts on the resilience a child gets from his or her father. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and our tip of the angel halo here to uh, Sky Kastner and her dad for the remarkable work that they did uh, in getting Sky to the point where she graduated third in her class in high school, has now been accepted to Harvard. She's pre-law, and um, we're so happy for her and for them. But we're grateful for the work that her mentor, Mona Hamby, walked her through all those things that, uh, you know, uh, things that uh, a girl needs to have a mom for. Uh, uh, Sky's mom was in prison, and her dad showed up at uh, the prison hospital and said this is my daughter I'm taking her home and I will raise her and dad's influence taught Sky a valuable lesson about resilience and perseverance and it's one that we in the body of Christ I think can demonstrate to the culture you know I have to wonder how many people in your world will be drawn to your faith in Christ simply because you can keep your wits about you when everybody else around you is losing theirs I mean that's the gospel of Rudyard Kipling I realize but the, the idea that we're living in a culture right now where people are just so quick to criticize, quick to anger. Uh, you know, Scripture tells us we're to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. We can demonstrate through our social media interactions, our personal interactions, just how the love of Christ really does uh, play out. In terms of even just within the body of Christ, the number of people who are clinging to denominations and and one you know if, if we don't get the southern baptist right or the catholics are the only true church or this that and the other thing it's like look guys it's a common confession if you believe in your heart that christ was raised from the dead and if you profess with your mouth that jesus is lord you will be saved you will be compelled to do good works you'll be compelled to want to study more or you know to do the things it's not a question of just saying okay i'm saved by faith i'm hearing this a lot in the catholic community they're so concerned about the evangelical world saying well it's you know you're justified by you know it's by faith alone grace alone word alone and the catholic components like no you know you're going to be judged by your works and this that and the other thing and it really is a both and the way i see it in that you are 
saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's not a thing that you and I can do to get ourselves saved. But the manifestation of what that looks like in your life is then you are spurred on to good works and you spur others on to good works. So, you know, anybody could say, I believe in God and that's as far as it goes and I don't think you're going to heaven. But anybody else could say, look at all the things I did for you, Lord, and might get a depart from me, I never knew you. It's a both and connection. And when we see that here's a case where a young lady who it's nature and nurture, her mom's in prison. She's only met her once. She was delivered at the Galveston County Jail. Ordinarily, someone might say, well, we all know what's going to happen to that girl. Well, that girl is brimming with confidence, graduated third in her class in high school, and is now heading to Harvard University on a scholarship. This is the beauty of the restorative love of Jesus Christ in our life, too. It's a perfect example. But it starts with a father's love saying, I'm going to pull you out of this potentially horrible situation and set your feet on the right path. You follow me and you will experience a new thriving life. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.